the service of evening prayer for the Ascension of our Lord, May 21st, 2020. We sing the first hymn, LSB 491, Up Through Endless Ranks of Angels. service of evening prayer. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. We are illumined by the brightness of his rising. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Death no more has no minion over us. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Joyous light of glory of the immortal Father, heavenly, holy, blessed Jesus Christ. We have come to the setting of the sun, and we look to the evening light. We sing to God, 
the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are worthy of being praised with your voices forever. O Son of God, O Giver of life, the universe proclaims your glory. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who led your people Israel by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Enlighten our darkness by the light of your Christ. May his word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, for you are merciful and you love your whole creation, and we, your creatures, glorify you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let my prayer rise before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. O Lord, I call to you, come to me quickly. Hear my voice when I cry to you. Let my prayer rise before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch before my mouth, O Lord, and guard the door of my lips. Let not my heart incline to any evil thing. Let me not be occupied in wickedness with evil doers. But my eyes are true to you, O God. In you I take refuge. Strip me not of my life. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let my prayer rise before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Let us pray. Let the incense of our repentant prayer ascend before you, O Lord, and let your loving kindness descend on us, that with purified minds we may sing your praises with the church on earth, and the whole heavenly host, and may glorify you forever. Amen.
Our psalm is Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore he will lift up his head. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Office Hymn, TLH, 260, O Lord, look down from heaven, behold. people to and fro in errors may 
is astounded. May God root out all heresy and of false teachers rid us, who proudly say, Now where is he that shall our speech forbid us? By right or might we shall prevail, what we determine cannot fail. We own no Lord and Master. Therefore, saith God, I must arise. The poor my help are needing. To me ascend my people's cries, and I have heard their pleading. For them my saving word shall fight, and fearlessly and sharply smite the poor with my defending. As silver tried by fire is pure from all adulteration, so through God's word shall man endure each trial and tribulation, its light beams brighter through the cross, and purified from human dross, it shines through every nation. Defend thy truth, O God, and stay, this evil generation, and from the error of its way, keep thine own congregation, the wicked everywhere abound, and would thy little flock confound. But thou art our salvation. Amen. A reading from Second Kings chapter 2. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. 
And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. The second reading is from Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. And a reading from Mark, the 16th chapter. Afterward, Jesus appeared to the eleven themselves, as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now, in these last days, 
He has spoken to us by his Son. Alleluia, Christ is risen. <clears throat> He's risen indeed. Alleluia. As we gather to celebrate the ascension of our Lord, these words recall a double meaning. Christ has risen from the dead, and he has risen through the ranks of endless angels to be seated at the right hand of God. The ascension of our Lord is a day of great importance. Today, a man, human flesh and blood, has all authority given to him in heaven and on earth and under the earth. All things visible and invisible are under the judgment seat of not just God, but God in the flesh. The ascension holds a twofold goal. First, it speaks to the redeemed where believers dwell with Christ after this life. It proclaims the home and dwelling place of the faithful, where Christ shows himself to the blessed in order that they may behold his face. Jesus ascended into paradise, where the converted thief on the cross was with him, and where rooms have been prepared by Jesus himself in the Father's mansion. Second, <clears throat> the Son of God in the flesh is seated at the right hand of divine power. We confess this day in the Creed, and while it has fallen out of observance as a special feast by many, we must hold to its grandeur. The Reformed twist this day to separate Jesus' divine and human natures, they teach Jesus physically sits at the right hand of God on a throne, and thus, because of his humanity, he is not able to be anywhere but there. They use this to confess wrongly about the Lord's Supper. For them, because Jesus is stuck in heaven, the Lord's Supper could not be the true body and blood of Christ. Thus, the Supper falls on us. We must spiritually go to heaven, or we must only walk through the motions to simply remember what Christ has done. In the face of these erroneous teachings, we confess from the formula of concord. We hold that by these words, the majesty of the man Christ is declared, which Christ has received according to his humanity at the right hand of the majesty and power of God, namely, that also according to his assumed human nature and with the same, he can be and also is present where he will, and especially that in his church and congregation on earth he is present as mediator, head, king, and high priest, not in part or one half of him only, but the entire person of Christ is present, to which both natures belong, the divine and the human, not only according to his divinity, but also according to and with his assumed human nature, according to which he is our brother, and we are flesh of his flesh, and bone of his bone, even as he has instituted his holy supper, for the certain assurance and confirmation of this, that also according to that nature, according to which he has flesh and blood, he will be with us, and dwell, work, and be efficacious in us. In other words, once the Christ, the second person of the Trinity, took on human flesh at his incarnation through the announcement by the Holy Spirit to Mary, Jesus always retains his human nature forever. Where Jesus is, there he is both with his humanity and his divinity. After the resurrection, his body no longer plays by the same rules as before, which allows him to appear to the disciples behind locked doors, to ascend into heaven before their very eyes, and to be where his word is preached, joined to water and fonts, and upon altars, in, with, and under bread and wine. 
This year on Ascension, we focus on our Old Testament lesson, Second Kings, especially these words. Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. This day highlights the truth that God can do what we can only dream about. He can take a real-life situation and use it as an illustration without depriving the participants in the situation of their own dignity. We might take a situation and use it to illustrate something without actually having any connection to the situation. We have this ability to read the paper or watch the news and make everything about us all the time. The next time the governor or the president holds a news conference, if you just take a couple of minutes and read through the comments below, you will see just what I'm talking about. Not only is everything not about us all the time, but it doesn't need to be. While we seek to be God, we fail at it every time. When we try to twist and create situations for ourselves, it doesn't always go as planned. We make plans and contingency plans, and then we never actually enjoy any of these situations because they never go exactly the way we wanted. Wonderfully, God is not us. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God creates the situation in the lives of his people and guides their very real-life events to accomplish what illustrates the lesson God would have us learn. God does not just give illustrations. He strengthens real-life faith. He doesn't just work with nicely wrapped-up, made-for-TV stories. He uses real life itself. To help us understand the ascension of Jesus, God gave the real-life illustration to the children of Israel through the prophet Elijah. Look at how many similarities there are between the two. I know that most do not think of Elijah ascending. Rather, many understand Elijah being taken directly into heaven in a fiery chariot without having to die first. But look at the words of our text. Behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Is not ascending and went up the same. The going up of Elijah was witnessed by Elisha. Others may have also seen something, but Elisha was the witness chosen. It happened right in front of him. He watched Elijah go until he could see him no longer. I have no idea what it looked like or how long Elisha watched or what he thought or felt, except for his cry, actually a cry of faith, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Exactly what he meant, no one can say, but it was the cry of faith and seems to have spoken about God's care for Israel. Elisha appeared to understand that what he was seeing was one chariot of many, military chariots of God for the protection of Israel. Elisha was a devout disciple of Elijah. He wanted to be just like Elijah, which is odd because Elijah didn't always want to be Elijah. Just before Elijah went, Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit, 
the spirit that rested on Elijah and made him a mighty prophet. Elijah responded that if God permitted Elisha to see how, how he went, it would be so. Elisha watched, and Elisha received the promise, the double portion of the spirit, simply meant that Elisha would be every bit of the prophet that Elijah was. Elisha was not going to be more than Elijah, he was going to be the same. And so it happened. Elisha went forth and did the works of Elijah. He struck the waters of the Jordan with his mantle, and the waters parted just as they had for Elijah. This was the first of many works that Elisha would do as proof that God was with him, confirming God's word through Elisha with signs. Finally, there was fire involved. God used fire as a sign of his presence and glory. He used it on Mount Sinai. He used the pillar of fire in Exodus. The fire in the sacrifices was to be a reminder that God was there and God was involved even when they could not see him or sense his presence directly. It was a symbol understood by most of them. The fire represented in a tangible way the glory of God, which was likened to a consuming fire. Elijah and Elisha with him served as an illustration of the ascension of Jesus. Did they know that? There was no indication in the Bible that they did. But we know that Scripture interprets Scripture. While the hands whom wrote the words may have been different, they all had the same author. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. For Elijah and Elisha, it was the real event of their lives and part of their relationship with God. For us, it is a foreshadowing. We can see this ascension as pointing forward to Jesus. Jesus was the final and greatest of the prophets. He formed the bridge from what was to what is, from the promise to the fulfillment, and he did it to connect the two visibly. Jesus ascended suddenly and in an, uninspect, in an uninspected way, just as Elijah did. There is no indication that the disciples expected Jesus to begin to rise into the air. He was talking to them and blessing them and suddenly went up. It was no less startling and amazing for the disciples than for Elisha. Like Elisha, the disciples witnessed the ascension with awe and wonder. They didn't cry out as Elisha had, but they stood staring into the sky after Jesus was taken from their sight. Angels had to be sent to stop them from staring into the clouds, hoping for another glimpse. Now, you may have noticed that in this comparison, Ascension and Pentecost come mixed together. That is because they were essentially two pieces of the same thing. Elijah's Ascension and Elijah's taking up the mantle of Elijah, from where we get the cliche of passing the mantle, were all one event. For Elisha, it happened all at once. For the disciples, it was a two-part thing. First came the ascending, and later, ten days later, came the gift of the Spirit. But it was all to be understood together. The disciples, now called apostles, received the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, on Pentecost. After Pentecost, the apostles continued the miraculous work of Christ, just as Elisha did Elijah's. They carried on the mantle of preaching the word, giving the gifts of Christ through word and sacrament. They went out and healed. They survived the deadliest threats of the world until it suited the Lord to bring them home. They preached and taught. 
They also did things Jesus never did. They baptized. They wrote scripture. They taught the world what Jesus was about and what his life and death meant. They took what Jesus had done and made it available to the world by telling the world and spreading the news and being the witnesses of those wonderful events. Jesus came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and the apostles came for the rest of us. While the tongues of fire were in different places, chariots, horses, and heads, the significance was the same. God was at work here. God was at work in similar yet different ways. They were burning and not being consumed. But it was not a bush or a chariot or horses, which are distinct images of military and national power. It was tongues of fire, tongues associated with speaking, thus the saving word of God. Jesus, sitting at the right hand of God, sends the Spirit to each of the apostles. The Spirit was for every believer, not just the prophet. It would be nice and helpful if the tongues of fire still appeared today, and we could readily identify true preachers from false ones. This is not the plan of God. Instead, he turns us to the word to test the preachers. The pastors must study the word so as to speak it properly, and the hearers must hear the word for eternal life. Both must be in the word, studying it together to hold each other accountable. More importantly, because it is through the word, Jesus, our ascended Lord, is with us just as he promised. There is, of course, a vast difference between the ascensions of Elijah and Jesus. Elijah had to be carried to heaven by a fiery chariot and flaming horses. Jesus went under his own power. Elijah was a preacher of God's word. Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. Elijah preached the law. Jesus fulfilled the law, carried our sins to their full penalty, died in our place and rose to proclaim by his resurrection, the gospel of our full and free forgiveness for his own sake. Elisha carried on the mantle of Elijah. The apostles carried on the mantle of Jesus, and the church continues to pass this mantle from generation to generation. Through the office of the ministry, the pastor stands in the place of Jesus. The pastor doesn't die for you, so please don't start making any crosses or buying big nails. The pastor does preach. He speaks God's law and proclaims his gospel, dispensing the grace of God, forgiveness for your sins, by standing in the place of Christ, announcing absolution, washing and baptism, and placing the body and blood of Christ in your hands and mouths. The ascension of our Lord makes all of this possible. Through these humble means of word, water, bread, and wine, Jesus himself is here for your eternal good. We celebrate the Ascension each year as the event which guarantees that Christ is among you in the very means he has given. We gather and celebrate what your eyes cannot see but your hearts have learned from his word. As you go up to the altar, you know that he who has ascended to prepare a place for you comes down for your forgiveness, providing a foretaste of the feast that is to come. Not pestilence nor plague, not isolation nor loneliness, not the devil, the world, nor the sinful flesh can do what God himself has done and continues to do for you. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We sing the Magnificat on page 248. 
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from this day all generations will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things to me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has shown strength with his arm, he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones, and has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In peace let us pray to the Lord, Lord have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord, Lord have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord, Lord, have mercy for this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for Matthew and Brian, for all pastors in Christ, for all servants of the church, and for all the people. Let us pray to the Lord. 
Lord, have mercy for Donald and Kim, for all public servants, for the government and those who protect us, that they may be upheld and strengthened in every good deed. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for those who work to bring peace, justice, health, and protection in this and every place. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for those who bring offerings, those who do good works in this congregation, those who toil, those who sing, and all the people here present who await from the Lord great and abundant mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for favorable weather, for an abundance of the fruits of the earth, and for peaceful times. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for our deliverance from all affliction, wrath, danger, and need. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for the faithful who have gone before us and are with Christ. Let us give thanks to the Lord. Alleluia. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Rejoicing in the fellowship of all the saints, let us commend ourselves, one another, and our whole life to Christ our Lord. To you, O Lord. O God, from whom come all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works, give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and also that we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may live in peace and quietness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God, the Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Bless and preserve you. Amen. We sing our final hymn, LSB 564, Christ Sits at God's Right Hand.
Christ sits at God's right hand, his saving work complete, to reign till every foe will I beneath his feet. All that the Father planned, the Son sought to fulfill. When first he said, Lord, here am I to do your will. Christ was that priest God swore, uniquely first and last, who would in righteousness and love be unsurpassed. A priest forevermore, an oath God would not break. A priest within the order of Melchizedek. Christ's altar was the tree where on the world's behalf he shed a blood unlike the blood of goat or calf to seal God's guarantee of grace that cannot fail. With blood he entered for our good behind the costly sacrifice to cover human sin, who but Christ Jesus had the right to enter in. His blood that sprinkled price, so we might be assured that our inheritance in light has been secured. Then let us now draw near, washed in that precious flood, and enter the most holy place by Jesus' blood. From hearts that are sincere, let tongues our hope profess, and trust anew God's faithful grace that we confess. Praise to Christ we bring, our Lord who intercedes, our great High Priest enthroned above, who knows our needs. And to the Father sing our songs of thankful praise, who with the Spirit reigns in love for endless days.